0: Mississippi may require forced surveillance. T-Mobile has been breached yet again. Some Apple updates and a lot more news. Welcome to Surveillance Report 118, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news from the past week. I am Nathan from The New Oil, and I am back. And I'm Henry from Techlore. right. Our promo segment this week, as Henry said last week, we've rolled out some new Patreon perks. We have lowered the cost of asking a question. A lot of you guys have asked us for uh, a less expensive way to support, which for the record, you can give any amount you want through uh, Patreon. You just may not necessarily get the perks if it's less than that amount. But, you know, we wanted to give you guys something anyways, even if you did uh, support with a little bit less. So we heard you guys. We lowered the amount to ask a question. It is now $5 a month. And then if you go with the uh, classic $10 a month, we now have an extended, less cut version of surveillance report. So there'll be more jokes, more back and forth, more in-depth analysis, etc. So far, it seems like you guys have really liked it. Um, we've had a number of new signups over the past week, and we see all of you. We appreciate you. For those of you who prefer a little bit more privacy, but still want fiat currency, we have rolled out a LibrePay. Um You don't get any perks with that, but you know it's not Patreon, so it's a little bit more privacy respecting. They still do um, depending on your currency, they still use PayPal and Stripe for, uh, uh payment processing. But again, the Libra pay itself does not ask for all this personally identifying information. So it's much better for privacy. And then of course we still have Monero that's not going anywhere. Monero is anonymous and all we see is the amount that you have sent to us. So, um, those are the three options. Thank you guys very much. And, uh, thanks for keeping us going and continuing to support us. And also just a quick note, if you are trying to support us through LibrePay, um, we're getting kind of some weird emails from them. They're saying we have to add another payment option like PayPal or Stripe, but we have already added both. Uh, We'll try to get that sorted out this week. But if you're trying to support us through LibrePay uh, and it's not working for some reason, check back in a few days. Okay, with that, we'll launch into our highlight story. The U.S. state of Mississippi has a bill, announced a bill, that would mandate surveillance cameras in schools and colleges. I'm going to quote the article here. A bill introduced last week in the Mississippi legislature would require public schools and post-secondary institutions to install video surveillance cameras all over their campuses. The bill would require that cameras also record audio and that they be installed in classrooms, auditoriums, cafeterias, gyms, hallways, recreational areas, and along each facility's perimeter. Further, it would permit students' parents to view live feeds of classroom instruction. Unquote. Parents can request access to the footage of any incident involving their child. Schools must notify parents and campuses must have signage informing everyone about the cameras and the footage will be stored in the cloud, but will be scrubbed every 90 days unless it gets flagged for investigation and they have to hold it for that investigation. Personally, I I do like those oversights, you know, that the footage will be scrubbed every 90 days, things like that. Uh, You know, letting people know. I don't know really what the point is of letting people know when it's going to be mandatory anyways. I don't don't know. I don't really have many thoughts on this other than I think that's super dystopian and messed up and I'm clearly not a fan of it because, you know, that's really bad. And I I know the article kind of points out that you only have so much expectation of privacy in a public place, like a school and a classroom, but also the article points out that like hallways, like students have private conversations in the hallways when they see their friends and stuff like that. So yeah, this, uh, overall not a fan of this. Yeah. I'm
1: definitely very opposed to this. Um, just from a principal perspective. I mean, I also think of just the educational perspective here of all the money that they're putting into this instead of paying teachers more or doing anything else in the educational system in the U.S. No, this is what needs to happen. So I think just from principle, like, even if this was maybe a good move, which I would argue it definitely isn't on so many accounts from a privacy angle, from a um, education angle, I don't think it's good for kids to feel like they're being watched their entire life. Um, so I feel like it's very creepy on a lot of levels. Um, this, I could have read the stories if it was a prison, and I don't think anyone would have asked questions, you know? um like it's it's ridiculous and the one that's creepiest actually for me is it would permit students parents to view live feeds of classroom instruction yeah that to me is awful i can just imagine like the helicopter moms checking in all day on their teachers and emailing a teacher oh how come you said this one thing at uh, 1 38 today during class um so i feel like as always a lot of this stuff i feel like is going to make lives worse for teachers which they don't need
0: yeah, I feel like this is just going to make Yeah, you nailed it. It's just going to make things worse, I think. I agree with you. If you live in Mississippi uh, or got if you got friends and family in Mississippi, go ahead and send this to them. Let them know like, "Hey, this is uh this has been proposed. Be sure to call your your politicians and tell them what you think." All right. Now we're going to migrate over to the data breaches, and we're going to start with T-Mobile, which
1: is very familiar with being in this section. So, T-Mobile was hacked to steal data 37 million accounts in an API data breach. So, this affected both pre and post paid customers, and the vulnerability was exploited in an API. Access lasted for about a month and a half. It included names, billing addresses, email, phone number, date of birth, T Mobile account numbers, and plan information like features and number of lines. The article notes this is the eighth, eight, yes, this is the eighth breach since 2018. So, in the last five years, they've had
0: eight breaches. So, good job, T Mobile, you're killing it. Our next breach was very specific. The U S no fly list was leaked after being left on an unsecured airline server. So I'm going to quote bits and pieces of the article here. A Swiss hacker discovered the list and hacker, not cyber criminal, This was a researcher. A Swiss hacker discovered the list on an unsecured Jenkins server one night while poking around on Shodan. on the server was a large amount of company data about commute air, including the private information about its employees. There was also a file containing a copy of a 2019 edition of the no fly list. This list includes names and birthdates and more than 1.5 million entries, but many of those entries are aliases that refer to the same person, so some of them are doubles, basically. The server was taken offline, so the list is no longer accessible, and of course, everyone's investigating now. Commute Air is investigating. I think the Department of Defense or Homeland Security or something. Somebody's investigating. Everybody wants to know how this happened, even though it sounds like the hacker's, again, he's not acting maliciously. I'm sure he'd be more than willing to tell you how he found it, but you know, anyways, investigations are underway. Next story, Canada's largest alcohol retailer site was hacked to steal credit cards.
1: This is from the liquor control board of Ontario. This was a mage cart attack where credit cards, where credit card stealing scripts are embedded on the website for a total of five days. This included names, email and mailing addresses, credit card information, airplane numbers, and then lcbo.com account passwords. Mobile app and shoponline.com were not
0: affected. Our next data breach comes from Nissan North America. Uh, This was the result of a third-party software development vendor having a breach due to a, quote, poorly configured database unquote. This affected 17,998 customers. Nissan was made aware of this breach in June of 2022. This data included full names, dates of birth, and Nissan finance account info. So if you bought a car using credit directly from the dealership, which I actually found out recently is a relatively American phenomenon. Apparently in a lot of countries, people don't like take out loans for cars. Good for you guys. It's not good. It's bad that America does it, but you know, we do a lot of things backwards here. MailChimp says it was hacked again. This is the
1: second time that the company was hacked in the past six months, and it took place on January 11th, though the company did not say how long the intruder was in the systems if known. The attacker used social engineering to access 133 MailChimp accounts. So that's a very small number. Perhaps they were targeting certain accounts. And this includes WooCommerce, who said that names store web Store web addresses and email addresses of their customers in turn may have been accessed.
0: All right, our next few uh, data breach stories are updates. So CircleCI says cyber criminals stole encryption keys and customer secrets. This is an update to a recent story. CircleCI, um, I think it was two weeks ago we talked about them. They thought that they possibly had a data breach, so they just got ahead of it and told everybody like, hey, just rotate your keys just to be safe. And now they're in the middle of investigating and figuring out the full extent of it. And they said, yeah, they definitely stole some encryption keys. Most of you probably don't have a circle ci account it's it's a developer platform uh, from what i understand it's kind of like github on crack but if you do or if you like work at a company that uses it make sure you guys have rotated your keys cuz they've confirmed it now
1: ransomware gang steals data from kfc taco bell and pizza hut brand owner this affected yum brands forcing 300 locations in the uk to completely close Yum has confirmed that data was stolen, but did not elaborate on what that data was. But they insist that
0: customer data is safe. So um, we'll have to take their word on that one. Okay, and our last data breach story... Los Angeles Unified School District says Vice Society Ransomware Gang stole contractors' social security numbers. So this is an update to a relatively old story from September of 2022. The title pretty much says it all. It's just new information that we're getting. Um, LAUSD is now investigating this whole data breach – or uh, not data breach, but like ransomware attack that they had. And LA is a mega city. So when I first kind of read this, I'm like, man, we're still getting stories out of this. But, you know, they have like half over half a million kids in the system, so – I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that we're still learning new stuff, but yeah.
1: And now let's move over to the company news, starting with hacked Celebrite and MSAB software released. Celebrite is an Israeli cyber forensics company and MSAB is a Swedish competitor. So these are these people developing, um, not some great stuff for the world. We would probably argue back here. So the leak contains documentation and software code, though it's hard to know exactly what's in them without reading them ourselves, which neither of us really had the time to do this week. But hopefully we can learn something useful about how they work and patch against the exploits they use. Remind me, Celebrate was the one who claimed to have hacked Signal when they didn't. Correct?
0: I believe so, yeah. So that, that yes. Yeah,
1: so Celebrate has like devices to like crack into your phone and extract data for for law enforcement. Uh they falsely claim that they can break signal and signal publishes amazing blog posts at the time.
0: That's like, these guys are so full of crap. Um, so that was awesome. Um, so yeah, if you, um, it's not like comprehensive, but if you want a little taste of what these guys can do, there's a really good documentary from 2013, I think called terms and conditions may apply it holds up really well. And, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one I think of I might be thinking of a different documentary, but it, it they do <coughs> plug in a phone to celebrate software you know, I might be thinking of Kill Chain, which is an HBO documentary from a couple of years ago. But anyways, it's in one of those two. They do plug in a phone to uh, celebrate software and kind of show you some of what it can do. So they're both good documentaries. Just watch both of them. It's in one of them. Our next story comes from Apple. iOS 16.3 expands advanced data protection option for iCloud encryption globally. So Apple announced that they are advancing their uh, advanced data protection, which is just the zero knowledge iCloud stuff beyond the US. And that's really it. Um, the tweet says that it will be global. It's, you know, going to be available for everyone everywhere. My personal cynical side, I don't think China is going to go for that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, they're probably not the only ones who aren't going to be happy about that, but they're historically Apple has a habit of bending the knee to China. So we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, I mean, even it's, it's a good move for sure. Um, just a reminder that advanced data protection does not get everything. I think, like, what is it? Emails, calendars, something everything else. That, contacts?
1: Every, yeah, everything that you can't reasonably end-to-end encrypt. Um, actually, pretty much everything that Proton offers without, like, Apple breaking email. Because, like, you kind of have to break email to make something like Proton work real, well. Um, so I think it's email, contacts, and calendar that's not end-to-end encrypted, which, frankly, is, like, the most understandable decision they could have made in my I world.
0: don't know, though. Couldn't they keep,
1: like, a backup of those in an encrypted format? Well, I mean, your phone backup is, but it doesn't. There's a reason most services don't end-to-end encrypt those three things. They're like built on such a legacy technology. It's really hard to end-to-end encrypt in a way that's um, seamless with everybody else that's using those calendars. Like what Proton's doing is really unique.
0: Yeah, Not many I don't know. Do I'm,
1: that. I'm skeptical. That, but I could it's, be it's, there's wrong. There's no skepticism. So. That's like, they, I think it's pretty much their cited reason. And it's pretty legit. Like trying to build end-to-end encryption technology on these legacy technologies, especially email, in a way that doesn't break email clients. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, like, I totally understand why they decided to do that. But
0: it's I'm skeptical, but I. I'm not really a tech expert. I'm very open about that. I'm not a programmer or cryptographer, so maybe I'm just an idiot who doesn't understand how it works. But it's
1: either way, it's it's still
0: something. It's it's certainly better than what it was, where there was like absolutely no encryption, and it's really cool that they're expanding that globally. So yeah, I mean, this is fantastic.
1: I, I have like mm-hmm. almost nothing but negative things to say. I mean, this now means if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you have pretty much everything end to end encrypted for the most part, and then the things that aren't, Proton is almost a perfect like drop in for it. So. I am going to, because I know people might ask for more info. Jonah and I did talk about this in a Techler talks. So if people want to watch that, I'll leave that linked below too. Oh, and speaking of Apple, definitely uh, the less optimistic side of Apple. For those who remember, a researcher was able to prove that despite you saying opt out of analytics and things like the App Store, um, Apple actually still submits personal identifiers, so they don't actually remove or change anything regarding how they collect data within those applications. Now, again, the applications were Apple Music, um, the App Store, and other very select apps that had ads. So this didn't impact like health data or anything that was ultra sensitive, but it's still very concerning and not a good thing. So now there's a class action lawsuit after the recent revelation disabling analytics st- still submits personal information to Apple. So
0: now there is a class action over that, which honestly, well deserved. Um, I have no complaints to that. <laughs> Our next story is a really quick one from Microsoft. Microsoft will end the sale of Windows 10 licenses to consumers this month. So security updates will continue until October 14th. 2025. That's your deadline. So just to let you know, if you're a windows user, um, obviously we encourage you to check out other, uh, operating systems like Linux, but there are valid reasons to be using windows. I am on windows right now for the haters. Oh my Um, God. I know fake privacy advocate. I'm (laughs) such a hypocrite. God, why Um, don't you just get off your mic? But yeah, seriously. So if you are a windows user, um, try dual booting. That's actually something that I do is I dual boot. And, um, I only use Windows when I absolutely have to. And if you have to keep using Windows for any perfectly legitimate reason, um, just know that if you're on 10, you're going to have to upgrade to 11 soon, which personally I think is a security improvement anyways. But yeah, just letting you guys know we're moving in that direction now. All right. And our last company news story is from Bitwarden, who's in the company
1: section this week, not the open source section for good reason. Uh, So Bitwarden has extended a passwordless leadership with an acquisition. Bitwarden announced that it has acquired European-based startup Passwordless.dev, which is a significant milestone in rounding out the Bitwarden commitment to offering open-source, scalable, and secure passwordless solutions to every business and end-user. That was a quote from Bitwarden. Not from me. Uh, Another quote from them. Together, Bitwarden and passwordless.dev provide a turnkey solution built on the FIDO2 and web authentication standards that are defining the future of passwordless. As part of this announcement, Bitwarden is excited to launch the Warden passwordless.dev beta program, giving enterprises, developers, and security enthusiasts the opportunity to test and provide feedback on the product. For more information on the beta program, visit passwordless.dev. I don't have many comments on this. I'm kind of surprised they did a whole acquisition for this. I feel like it's... Maybe I don't understand the tech well enough, but I feel like a lot of even smaller services have rolled out similar things. So um, I'm curious why they decided to do an acquisition instead of building it in-house. But I mean, I don't have much negative to say about this. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of in the
0: same boat. I'm never a huge fan of acquisitions just because I don't like to see... I don't like to see consolidation like that. I'm a big fan of breaking things up and decentralizing and whatnot. Um, the, the bit that kind of put me a little bit at ease was it said that passwordless.dev, quote, was founded on open source principles, unquote. It, I guess it's kind of one of those cautious optimism things for me. I'm, I'm cautious to see where this goes, what this does. It's not necessarily bad by itself, but um, I'll, we'll just have to see where it goes. With that we'll move into the research section and we have only one story this week but it's a good story ransomware profits dropped 40 percent in 2022 as victims refused to pay so this data came from chain analysis or chain analysis in 2021 there were 766 million dollars in ransomware payments and in 2022 it was 456.8 million so yeah that's a really big drop Uh, Chainalysis says that it was not fewer attacks as 2022 was actually one of the most active years in ransomware activity, but they did note that every year less and less victims choose to pay. It drops more. This was a considerable drop, but it has been going down a little bit each year. The article points out it's probably going to take more than people just not paying for ransomware to go away. And I think that's a fair argument, but I think people not paying is definitely a huge component of that. So personally, I think this is really good news. And now politics. Politics. Little-known surveillance program captures money transfers
1: between U.S. and more than 20 countries. Quote, hundreds of federal, states, and local U.S. law enforcement agencies have access without court oversight to a database of more than 150 million money transfers between people in the U.S. and in more than 20 countries, according to an internal program documents and investigation done by, of course, our favorite Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon, who is always the person exposing these surveillance programs. Fantastic. Um, So this is started by the Arizona AG in 2014 as part of a settlement with Western Union to combat border trafficking. And it has now expanded to a nearly national and international level. So again, a lot of these programs that we see in our day-to-day lives normally start small, and it might start in some kind of battlefield, or they might start for a very niche use case for something like combating border trafficking, and these things tend to make their way home domestically, and then nationally, and then internationally. So um, that's just how a lot of these things work. Now, regarding this specific program, data includes full names of sender and recipient, as well as transaction amounts. The director claims it has, quote, directly resulted in hundreds of leads and busts involving drug cartels and other criminals seeking to launder money, end quote. Documents show how any authorized agency can access the data without a warrant and can filter by categories such as Middle Eastern and Arabic names. Again, the existence of these programs probably isn't our biggest complaint. It's the lack of oversight, lack of transparency, and the fact that all this can be done without a warrant from any
0: authorized agency. At least those are my main complaints. Our next story comes from the European Parliament who has requested facial recognition CCTV cameras despite its public opposition to the technology. An investigation by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties has revealed that the European Parliament who publicly opposed facial recognition tech has requested the acquisition of CCTV cameras with facial recognition capabilities. Um, So this comes from 32 documents that the Irish Council for Civil Liberties has obtained showing that the EU institution issued a tender to purchase such cameras back in 2015. Uh, What's known from the report at this time, is that Hikvision's thermal cameras were installed at the EP premises in 2020, and then removed in 2021. Probably because I—I I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure we covered a story about how uh, Hickvision has like a legit Chinese backdoor in it. I might be remembering that wrong, but it, I do remember it was—it was bad. It was definitely not good. Um, the Irish Civil Liberties Group wants to know if and what other devices were produced by the manufacturer that might still be in use. I mean, that really says it all. The last political story of the week.
1: Indian startups have all gotten together and rejoiced as Android ruling against Google was upheld. The Competition Commission of India, or the CCI, ordered Google in October to make a series of changes, such as refraining from agreements that ensure exclusivity of its search services and mandatory pre-installation of its apps. It also told Google to allow third-party app stores to be housed within its Play Store
0: so yay with that we'll move into foss free and open source news we're starting off with some good news from firefox people are gonna
1: freak out they're not gonna know who we're shilling today because it's good news from both of the people that people (laughs) say we shill
0: Uh uh-oh who are we shilling this week everyone (laughs) okay well this week i'll shill firefox and firefox 110 (laughs) will launch with gpu sandboxing on windows unfortunately not uh You know, one of my readers on Massadon pointed out, like, why isn't this on Linux? I don't know if this is, like, already a thing on Linux or something like that. But either way, this is for Windows specifically. Quoting the article, Mozilla plans to enable GPU sandboxing in Firefox 110 stable for Windows in February 2023. GPU sandboxing improves Firefox security by applying isolations to the GPU process. A sandbox isolates a process so that malware can't be used directly to attack other processes on a device. The malware has to find a way to escape the sandbox to run its attacks on the system, unquote. So this has actually been a development for six years, which is pretty crazy. The first iteration that's rolling out here in 110 will be a little bit weakened because there's still some ongoing file system related issues. So it's not going to be perfect, but I guess it's good enough that they're like, well, we should roll this out now and then worry about the other issues later. They are hoping to have it fully resolved and completely where they want it to be by version
1: 112. And if you think we were shilling Firefox this week, uh, I'm going to shill Brave now. Um, because apparently just covering positive news about services is shilling. So Brave Browser's new Snowflake feature helps bypass Tor blocks. For those who haven't heard of it, Snowflake is a way that you can pretty much, uh, contribute to this proxy system that allows people to access Tor sites in censorship. It's like
0: a little mini bridge or a mini node, kind of.
1: Yeah, you're pretty much helping people in censored areas be able to access Tor. Brave has now built the Snowflake extension into the browser directly. It's kind of a risk-free, user-friendly way to help support the Tor network and help users who are censored in other countries. There's also not much risk for you doing this. Um, Actually, sites can host Snowflake as well. Like, you can just embed a Snowflake widget on any website, including your own. And anyone who's on your website can just click run Snowflake, and you can just leave the tab open. And that's a way to run a Snowflake instance as well. So
0: um, pretty cool that they baked that directly into the browser. Okay, that'll take us into our misfits section. Uh, the first article is um, well. Okay, so the headline says "Collection of Voice Data for Profit Raises Privacy Fears." Uh, this is not really news for a lot of our listeners, but it's one of those it's one of those things that's worth knowing about. And this article specifically, because I actually don't see this talked about a lot personally. Um, and this article is kind of one of those articles that might be really good to send to like friends and family. Because this is one of those articles who – their basic premise is there's been a rise in voice assistants like Alexa and Siri, and because of that, there is now a whole secondary industry who is dedicated to taking those recordings and analyzing them for a variety of reasons. Like, for example, you might uh, determine that a customer who's on hold is angry. And, you know, that might decide, change who you route them to, for example, like maybe send them to a manager who has a little more authority, who can, you know, handle their situation better or detecting if if employees are disgruntled. The article actually points out that Amazon got in trouble for this recently. So uh, this is kind of one of those articles that's a little bit all over the place. They're not really trying to make a point per se, so much as they are like exploring the whole issue. So it's definitely worth a read. And again, like. The fact that there are whole companies doing this is not something I see talked about a lot. So I think it's really cool for them shining a light in this area. And the last story of the week, popular password managers auto-filled
1: credentials on untrusted websites. This is an advisory from Google that explains that the issue arises in two scenarios, where web pages have a CSP, which is a content security policy sandbox response header, or where forms are inside a sandboxed iframe. Dashlane and Bitwarden have fixed this, though Apple is unclear if they have fixed it or not,
0: is Apple unclear or is the source unclear? <laughs> uh, Apple hasn't really commented, so it's unclear. I guess the source Got is it. unclear. It's not. So the, the, the advisory from Google specifically called out Dashlane, Bitwarden, and Safari's password manager. So that's Got why it. they focused on these three. Apple didn't really respond, so we don't know if they fixed
1: it or not. Got it um Dashlane expressed skepticism that this was a real issue the article doesn't specify if it affected any other passer managers so that's the breakdown
0: okay that'll take us into our q a section and uh like i said a lot of you guys signed up now that this is a little more financially accessible so we've got quite a bit more questions this week i mean not a lot but we've got more than usual
1: and you can one, be the
0: next one <laughs> you can feel free to jump in and you know it's only five bucks and leave your question We don't promise to answer all of them, but we, you know, we try to because they're fun to talk about. Our first one comes from bizarrely flabbergasted. Great username, by the way. It says, I recently started to look for FOSS apps to manage my personal budget and expenses. Was wondering what type of resources or tools any of you use or recommend to manage your own budget expense plans aside from the usual spreadsheet approach that respect a user's privacy and security model. Um, I do use GNU cache. Uh, there was an update a couple years ago where GNU cash doesn't like my bank anymore. So I can't automatically sync my transactions, but honestly, that's probably better for privacy because most pull your data using, um, plaid, I think most of them do. So it's kind of one of those, like, there's really no great FOSS options here. And most of them aren't really great for privacy anyways, because there's a the whole like If something's free, you're a product. Okay, I haven't looked into their privacy, but there is one called YNAB. You need a budget. It's really popular in the personal finance community. They are paid. They give you uh, 35 days, 40 days free trial. Um, So you get a full month cycle and then some no matter what to test it out. But then I, I think it's like $5 a month or something. I mean, point blank. I don't think you're going to find any of them that are like super private. Like everything's end to end encrypted. We don't do any trackers or anything like that. But the fact that they do charge a subscription model, I think is probably a good indicator that they might be a little bit better than usual. Um, again, I haven't personally looked into them, but that's the only one that comes to mind for me. GNU Cash is hideously ugly. I'm not going to lie, but it works really well and it does the job. So um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I think you're like, a psychopath for using GNU Cash.
0: You know I'll accept that to be totally
1: honest with you. I, I looked ugly. at the screenshot and I'm like, I am not downloading this onto my computer. Um, it's
0: ugly, but it works really, really well. There is a little bit of a learning curve that it's, it's not super <laughs> user friendly in my opinion. Like it's not, it's not terrible, but it definitely takes some getting used to just like little things. I believe it. But uh, like, like how to do split transaction is really weird. And it took me a while to figure out, but like, dude, it gets the job done really well.
1: So when Android was my main system, I really liked Money Wallet, one app, one word, Money Wallet no space from Fdroid. Um it's actually a very quality app, though there is no easy syncing, so it's kind of just on your Android device and it doesn't integrate into anything, it's all offline. Um so if you're open to like manually inputting all your expenses, which is what I used to do, that's an option. Um and it's really cool. Like you can do recurring transactions, it's like very feature filled. As of recent I just use a spreadsheet though. So sometimes like that's the simplest approach for me. I just have my own little spreadsheet that I set up with my expenses and yeah, that's how I track my finances. And then you can use whatever service you want to
0: do that. Um, if you're going to go the spreadsheet route, there's a personal finance podcast I listen to called how to money. They, um, somewhere on their website, I've never looked for it myself, but somewhere on their website, one of the hosts is like an old school spreadsheet kind of guy for managing his finances. And I'm pretty sure he's got a template on the website that you can download and use for yourself. So if you want to go that route, you could definitely try starting with that.
1: All right. Next question from Freddie Mercury. What are your opinions on NetGuard and if you would recommend Android users? Um, I think NetGuard's good. Um, what For those who don't know, NetGuard allows you to pretty much block internet access on a per app basis. And I think you can customize it to be like you can block Wi-Fi for one app or allow cellular or you can not allow either, or you can allow both. Um, So it's just a way, it's just pretty much like kind of a um, firewall that's local on Android devices. And I think if you're root, you can do a lot more with it as well, but um, that's probably not applicable to most people. My biggest issue with NetGuard is in, with most configurations, there are ways around this, but none of them are very clean. Um, It does take up the VPN slot on your phone. So you, a lot of times have to choose between NetGuard and a VPN, Um, there are some custom ROMs that have NetGuard's functionality built into them. So that actually does address that problem kind of nicely, because then the OS takes care of the firewall aspect of things, and then you add a VPN on top of all that. And then maybe you can combine your VPN with, like, NextDNS or something. So there's, like, different configurations there. But my only issue with NetGuard is that it might take up your VPN slot, which, again, that's kind of a personal decision on what you want to sacrifice there. I agree with you. I
0: personally don't use NetGuard. I use Blockada, but... Uh there's nothing wrong with that guard. I mean, my thing is I don't really mind internet connections on apps. I mind what they're connecting to, which is why I prefer Blockade because Blockade is more about blocking the actual domains and trackers. I have so when I'm home, I'm connected to a Wi-Fi network that has a VPN on it and then Blockade is active. And then when I leave the house, I have it automatically set to switch to a VPN. So yeah. Same same issue where it takes up a
1: VPN slot, but... I I think I'm going to make a video on this, but I recently migrated to just VPN with NextDNS in, inside the VPN. You definitely should make a video on that. Because now I don't have to use any of these things anymore. <laughs> like, I guess NetGuard would still have a use case because I could, if I just wanted an app not to have any internet, right. that's still a use case. But otherwise, like, I don't have to have blockade or anything else that's doing, like, on-device scanning. Like, I just have NextDNS set up on all my devices all at the same time.
0: It's, yeah. it's fantastic. So I need to make a video on that. Yeah. Yeah. You really should. I guarantee you people would be interested in that. Cause I think yeah. other people, I think the last time you talked about it, some of the comments were like, you should go into more detail about that. So yeah, I'll make that ASAP. <laughs> okay. Our next, uh, our next question comes from Kenny who says, have you guys heard of NT.io? I have been using it for secure and, end encrypted backup as an alternative to Google photos. And was wondering if you guys were aware of the project and had any thoughts on it or encrypted photo storage in general um i've heard of it okay i'm not making any promises i will try to track these down and send them to henry to put in the show notes some people have shared with me um a list of criticisms and also their rebuttals let me put it this way i don't have a strong opinion on them personally um i've heard of them i've heard mostly good things um I have my own Nextcloud server, so that's what I use for, like, photo storage and stuff like that. Do you? I I think you're a little more familiar with them than I am. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I'm not, actually.
0: I have visited their website before,
1: and I haven't in-depth looked (laughs) into their stuff. All I'll say is one thing I don't like is their website. Customers love us, and so do industry experts. And the Uh industry experts, one of them that's listed is r (laughs) slash (laughs) dgoogle. And it's just like a post that they made. I love Reddit sub, so much, subred- but I would not subreddit call anyone is a Reddit not an expert. industry expert. <laughs> Subreddits are not industry experts, and if that's like a marketing point, I, I don't know what that means. Um, same with... Uh, why <laughs> combinator on hacker news. Just making a post on a platform does not make anything an industry expert. That's just a side tangent there. Um it doesn't mean then bad doesn't
0: mean anything about the service. I'm just kind of complaining about their website a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, the only concrete thing I have right now is just I've heard of them. I know they're thrown like they're mentioned a lot in the privacy community, but that's all I really know.
1: Yeah. One thing I will say and this applies to a lot of things in the privacy world. People listen up. There's a difference between a project and a company. And That's a very important thing when you're making a decision on what to upload all of your photos to, which is a pretty big commitment. A lot of people have like gigabytes, if not terabytes of photos, and it's going to take a long time to like do that. You are committing to a service that has no, like we don't know their business model, if it's going to work. We don't know if this is a company. I don't know. Maybe it is. I'm just saying, I'm just posing the question, regardless of what service you choose, the people that you're trusting, you want to make sure they're going to be around in five or ten years. That's just something to think about. I'm thinking back to C-Templar, right? All these people or joined Lava this, Bit. Or LavaBit. Or LavaBit. Or, like, all these random services. Like, they are very low-key projects, and you should, like, really look and dig into, like, the business models of these. Because if you upload all your data to it, it might be gone in six months. Yeah. So, just something to throw your way. I'm not saying <sighs> that's what this service is. It's just, I don't know. And anyone who is looking into it, I would encourage you to look more into the business model and the team behind it, which – do they have a team? They do have a team. So they have a team listed on their site that you can look more into. I know they have at least a few people. Yeah. Next question from M. Now that Google is planning their own AirTag, would either of you consider buying one? And if so, what would you do to, quote, secure it? I've lost my keys before, and replacing RFID key fobs aren't cheap these days, so these seem like a good idea as long as they don't produce too much e-waste with things like non-replaceable slash non-rechargeable batteries. A DIY alternative doesn't seem possible since these rely on the network effect. This is really personal preference, and I, I don't think... You're, you can ask 10 different people this, and they're all going to tell you 10 different things. Personally, I don't see the use case of AirTags because I don't lose things myself. Um, and if I did lose things, then like I have backups in place. Like If I lose my keys, I have backup keys. Um, if I lose my phone, I have like a process in place to like either recover my phone or like wipe my phone remotely. So I don't have a use case for this, but maybe you do. As for how to secure it, I don't think that there's enough information yet on this new Google One that's come out for us to really give you much actionable advice outside of like whatever settings and permissions they give you. Make sure to take them seriously and just respect whatever they recommend. Um, one thing I'll say is I do trust Apple and Google more with basic security on these devices than a random device that you buy on Amazon that tries to emulate that. So from a security perspective, you're probably better off getting like an AirTag or a Google one than some random Amazon replacement. Um, those are my comments.
0: I don't know if you have anything to add there. I don't have much to say here. No, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, in from what I can tell, at least looking at the AirTags, there's not really much you can do in the way of securing it. Like there aren't really a lot of settings to harden it. Either it works or it doesn't. Um, and again, do you need it? Like that's up to you. If, if you've only lost your, like I'm, I'm in my thirties. I've only lost my keys once. So uh, something like this doesn't really make sense for me. And, uh, I, I have cats, but they don't really tend to get outside very much. So, um, and they are chipped. So this isn't really a big deal for me, but If you are one of those people that's constantly losing your keys or, you know, the dog is constantly running away, like stuff like that, then, yeah, I definitely see the need for something like this. Um, As far as Google versus Apple AirTag... I don't think they really make a difference. I think think the biggest difference is what's available to you. If you're an iPhone user, AirTags are probably better depending on where you live. Because like here in America, it seems like everybody has an iPhone for some reason. If you're a Google user, then you'll probably want to go with the Google phone. I haven't done a lot. I did hear about these, but I haven't also done a lot of digging into them. So I don't know if they're going to work with all devices the way that AirTags do, or if they're only going to work with Google devices, or I don't know. Um, There's a lot of factors there, but... Um, yeah, I think it's a personal preference thing. And as far as I know, there aren't really any ways to secure it, but like Henry said, just pay attention to the settings and stuff like that. And you know, if it's something that you think is worth the cost, then go for it. Okay. And our last question comes from Kixies. What are your thoughts on the XX messenger, which I think is pronounced Elixir because the website is Elixir with two X's dot IO and the XX coin, These are quantum secure and privacy focused projects led by, I'm going to be honest, somebody I've never heard of, David Chom. I don't recall you ever mentioning anything about these in your podcast. The XS coin isn't on major exchanges yet, but it's something you would consider accepting for donations. I'm going to answer that last question. No. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. No. We We don't uh, even do Bitcoin. Yeah, we don't even do Bitcoin. And I've mentioned that to Henry like three or four times, especially when we were first, uh, when we first split Surveillance Report off into its own thing. I'm like, well, do we want to at least do Bitcoin in Monero? And he's like, honestly, we don't get a lot of Bitcoin donations and... We've had that conversation about, well, what if somebody's having a hard time finding Monero? Because that's not on a lot of major exchanges either. And he's like, there's plenty of ways to convert it. So, um, yeah, we don't even do Bitcoin. Uh, We're not really interested in adding any other cryptocurrencies at this time. Um, Yeah, for context, like for TechLore, we got like 1 to 10 Bitcoin to Monero transactions. I think I get even less than that in the new oil. As far as the messenger, um, I'm firmly in the camp that we need to stop making... uh, Please please censor me on this one. We need to stop making f***ing messengers. I'm so tired of messengers. I have uh, have a video coming out. Hopefully it'll be up by the time this video comes out. I have a video coming out about secure messengers, and I have a a bit at the beginning where I'm like, there's so many messengers, and I pop up logos to drill the point home, and it's like the most obnoxious thing I've ever done. Like, my wife laughed when she saw it. It was so obnoxious. Everybody's trying to solve a problem, which, to be fair, some of them are legitimate problems that they're trying to solve, But there's just so many messengers, and in my opinion, that we need more voice over IP, especially in countries where you have to turn over an ID to get a phone number. That We need more uh, email, to be totally honest. We need more payment masking. For the record, I understand that payment masking comes with a lot of financial regulations, and that's a very tricky thing to get into. But the point is, like, everybody sits down and makes a messenger because it's – relatively compared to these other projects with like regulations and and infrastructure, it's easy. It's relatively free and it's super sexy. Everyone loves to download a new messenger and feel like they're doing something cool because we all, most of us like text throughout the day and message. But now we're running around with like 20 different messengers and it's just, it's overwhelming and it's obnoxious. I don't think we need another messenger to be totally honest. I mean, so I, I guess that's a fair point. Quantum secure, but also, and one more thing, I'm just going to go on record and say this, my personal opinion, web three is a scam. I hate Web3. I think it's garbage. I understand the idea of like getting paid for your content, getting paid for what you do. But in general, I think Web3 is just this overhype. Like, I think it's all PRBS. Like, you know, Web3 is going to decentralize everything and reduce corporate surveillance and this, that and the other. It's just shoving blockchain into things that don't need it. I hate Web3. So yeah, I'm sorry if I totally just like destroyed your favorite project or if it is your project and like... But, no, I don't think we need another messenger. We don't need more messengers. We don't need more coins. We don't need Web3. Yeah. um,
1: (laughs) So, just to answer the question, David Chom is a a computer scientist and cryptographer and inventor. And he pioneered cryptography and privacy-preserving technologies and is widely recognized as the inventor of digital cash. He has some, like, real credibility behind him. um, Though, I'm not seeing any information about him on the actual website for the project. So I'm not, I, I don't understand the relationship if he's the person who's building it or if he's just like supporting it or maybe he's like a part of the board. I don't know. Um, what I'll say is the the problem I have with all of these and Jonah and I just talked about this on Talks. Like, let's say that this is a real use case. If Signal puts out quantum resistant cryptography, this is gone. <laughs> like, this is gone. If Signal drops the phone number requirement, Session's gone. Like, all these services solve just one thing that Signal doesn't quite do yet. And now we have, like, all these different messengers that all accomplish different things. And maybe that's for the best. That is the nature of open source, but I personally don't appreciate having, like, hundreds of Linux distros that all just slightly do one different thing. I don't think that's the best thing for the average end user who has to pick a Linux distro and make a decision. It's not as simple and straightforward as... Just install Windows 11. It's like, oh, no. So you have li- different Linux distros. you got to use a live USB to test them out or use a virtual machine to test them out and figure out which one's best for you. Oh, by the way, that one doesn't actually work with your graphics card, so you might want to use this other one. And here's the package manager differences, and here's the desktop environments, and it's like, this is ridiculous. Was
0: that That's graphics not- card bit a stab at me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: NVIDIA and Linux don't like to get along very often. Um, so I don't know. That's my issue with this. Um, I feel like there's already so many great messengers that fit different threat models so well. I think Signal, like overall, is fantastic. But there's messengers that fit a higher threat model than Signal, also, and they do an extremely good job of that. And so I just ask, like, do we need this? What will what issue does this solve? Maybe there is a very valid issue here. I've just never heard of this project before, and I'm just giving you just the general skepticism I have. Anytime I see a new messenger that people send my way,
0: um, just FYI, the reason I kept thinking that Signal has this is because we uh, maybe a month or two ago we covered a story about how researchers had presented a way to make Signal quantum, post quantum resistant, and had passed that on to Signal. So that's what I was thinking of. Um, Signal hasn't formally like adopted it yet. I don't know what they're doing with that research. But we did cover a story about researchers who were like, hey, in theory, here's a way we can add quantum cryptography or, like, quantum-resistant cryptography to Signal. Here you go. Feel free to use it. So that's why I kept thinking of that. Um, But, yeah, at this time, I don't think they do have it.
1: Yeah, you're right. PQ Shield publishes post-quantum upgrade to
0: the Signal Protocol and offers it pro bono to the (laughs) Signal Foundation. that was it. That's the one. I can't imagine that they're not thinking about quantum cryptography. Like, there's no way they're not. (laughs) Yeah, all of so them. So it's really the only dinosaurs. a matter of time until they add it. Yeah. Okay, that is it for this week. So Mississippi may require Forced surveillance again. If you are in Mississippi or know anybody who is, be sure to send them that article because they may not know. T-Mobile has been breached for the uh, ninth time in five years. Eighth. Apple. Time. <laughs> oh, you're right. Eighth time. Sorry, so I thought it was eight better. times before. I thought it was eight times. No, the ninth or eighth time in five years. Uh, <laughs> some some Apple updates. Some good. Some not so good and a lot more. So lots going on. As always, we are doing our best to keep you guys updated. Uh, Be sure to subscribe and and we'll keep you updated as we learn more, especially about some of these ongoing stories. Our promo segment, once again, if you want to ask a question like all these wonderful people did, we have a Patreon where we have made the Q&A even cheaper, $5 a month USD. And then we have uh, the $10 a month is still a thing. And now you get an extended edition of the podcast with more of our banter and jokes and stuff like that. We still have LibrePay. Um, Again, we're kind of working out some of the kinks on that one. So if it doesn't work at first, check back in a couple days. We're trying to figure that out. But that will be a more private way to support us without having to go through Patreon. It'll be a little bit better for you. And of course, the best option for privacy is Monero. It is anonymous by default. You know, the, the way to send Monero anonymously is to just get some Monero and send it. It's really that easy. It's all built in there. So we don't know anything about you, but we see all of your support, whether it's on Patreon, uh, Monero, we see it all. And we're very grateful for you guys helping to keep us going. Thank you for listening. As always, final thing we want to ask of you, share the podcast around, make sure that you are subscribed, give us a rating if you're on a platform where that's an option. It all really does help. We are trying to reach as many people as possible with the message of privacy. And again, every little bit helps. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for listening. And we will be back next week.